We're in the midst of a healthcare revolution. Digital health is breaking down barriers for patients and providers, changing the way we do business, regulate healthcare reimbursement, and deliver care. From telemedicine solutions to medical devices to AI to innovations we can't even name yet. It's taken years of dedication from innovative leaders to pursue healthcare progress. How did we get here? What's around the corner for digital health? Let's find out together in Trailblazing with Digital Health Pioneers. Hello and welcome to Trailblazing with Digital Health Pioneers. I'm Sharon Lamb. I'm a partner in the digital health practice of McDermott, Will and Emery. And joining me today is Andrew Davies. Andrew is a digital health lead with the Association of British Health Tech Industries, the ABHI, which represents the UK health tech industry to key stakeholders such as governments, healthcare systems and regulators. Andrew has over 25 years experience in the medical technology sector, having worked within med tech divisions of household names such as Thorn EMI, Philips and Bristol-Myers Squibb. He has held roles covering UK and international marketing, market access and business development across both capital and consumable equipment. Andrew, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Uh, it's a pleasure, Sharon. Thank you very much to uh, McDermott, Will and Emery for the invitation and opportunity. Uh, Andrew, for viewers who may not be familiar, can you share some background on the ABHI and what is the association prioritising this year? Yes, of course, thanks. Uh, yeah, ABHI is a membership organisation representing the health technology sector. So that incorporates uh, medical devices, diagnostics and digital health solutions, which is primarily what we're here to discuss today. Um, we have over 300 members. Uh, representing a diverse range of uh, companies uh, from small startups to the, the largest multinationals. Although very much you know, in line with our market sector, about 90% of our members are SMEs. There's a, a really crucial part of, uh, of what we do is supporting those. Uh, this year and, and into next year, uh, we really have five strategic challenges that we're, we're focusing on. Uh, two are very much uh, orientated around trade, uh, that is enabling uh, SME growth, that's looking at the changes needed in domestic and trade policy to support UK Indigenous uh, SMEs and their, their growth both within the UK and internationally. Uh, and secondly is the being with investment side, making sure that the UK is a, uh, a top global market to, to uh, attract investment and uh, really make the most of the UK assets. So that's, that's the first two. Uh, thirdly, we have regulation. Uh, regulation is a bit of a perennial issue for ABHI, but more so than ever with uh, you know, the exit from the EU and the formation of a, a new UK regime, it's taken on even greater importance. So that, that will be critical. Um, Next is uh, perhaps yeah, very, relatively new for us and an emerging issue, which is all around the environment and sustainability and what impacts that could have uh, within our industry on the use of equipment, packaging, uh, etc. And uh, lastly, and by no means least, which is why I saved it for last to some extent, is how do we work with the NHS to help them tackle the challenges that they are facing right now post-pandemic? Oh, well, that's quite a that's quite a list of um, priorities and objectives. I and I know how busy your team are, uh, particularly around the changes happening in regulation and, of course, the changes in the NHS purchasing environment. Um, 
I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that about the membership being predominantly SMEs, uh, because what we are seeing is increasing interest in M&A um, and transactions and digital health, perhaps reflecting uh, some of the appetite and market and transactional activity in the US shifting towards Europe and the UK. Um, and particularly because interest in an adoption of digital health and health technology has surged in recent years and the, and the, and the pandemic only contributed to that. So given all of that, how would you describe the digital health, health tech industry in the UK today? Yeah, I, I think very much in line with you know, what you were sort of saying there, I think we're in a, an optimistic place. Um, we have seen such change you know, uh, during the pandemic with the way that both industry and the NHS reacted at, at speed and collaborated to implement digital solutions. You know, the, the, you know, the, the saying, and it's more than a saying, it's probably the actuality is, you know, what, was, what would have taken years was done in months, what would have taken months was done in days. Uh, and that, that's absolutely true. Uh, it, it's, it's great to see that we could all pull together against that, uh, to, towards that common goal. Um, what we now need to do is, you know, bottle that, consolidate those changes and, and build on that, see how we can make that a better way of working um, for, from now onwards. And uh, I think the UK is really well positioned to support digital solutions. Yeah, uh, the, the, the government policies uh, and the, the key thinking around this and you know, uh, statements such as the life science vision really point out that this, the life science sector is key and within that, you know, digital and data are, are really important. Yeah, and I saw even uh, recently the Prime Minister's announcements on the new proposed tax on, uh, you know, for health and social care specifically spoke about innovation and yeah. technologies, medical technologies. So, um, I mean, that sounds very positive overall. Uh, absolutely, you know, you, you've always got to welcome more money. You know, there, there will be, <laughs> there already is the debate over, is it enough money? Uh, I think the projections are that the, um, the NHS is gonna, you know, by 2024 or so, is gonna have to be doing 130% activity more so than it did pre-pandemic. Now there was already growth forecast in the long-term plan, so it, against the plans is probably another ten percent uplift. But yeah, that that has has to be funded somehow. So uh, more money is welcome. But and the symbiotic relationship I think between health and social care is really important. Again, one of the learnings from the pandemic wasn't about just what they did in healthcare, but the ability. Uh, uh, to fund the discharge packages to get people out of the system so they can get more in through the front door. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's interesting. Um, and given the challenges, particularly in the UK, but then also looking more widely, you know, there's so many places where technology could improve pathways, improve the delivery of care. It's almost difficult to know where to start. Uh, what area or areas of kind of healthcare delivery do you think requires the industry's attention today? Where should they focus? <laughs> That's interesting. So, you know, if, if you'd asked me that question 18 months ago before the pandemic, uh, I, I would have said, you know, it's about how do we deal with the aging population, multi-morbidities, 
dementia, Alzheimer's, and the, you know, those, those aging issues, as well as lifestyle issues around you know, obesity, diabetes. None of that has actually gone away, but we have the added challenge of the waiting list backlog that has built up or, or is now building up post-pandemic and is forecast to, to get even larger. So fundamentally, we need to have a strategic shift towards prevention, towards early diagnostics and earlier intervention, while increasing the efficiency of service delivery um, to ensure that we can, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, address that, that extra burden for, from the pandemic backlog. And I, I, th I think technology has a, a really significant role to play in, in all of those. Um, so turning to one of your priorities that you mentioned at the beginning, kind of the subject of regulation. I know it's a perennial topic, but of course, it kind of looms large in the health tech sector at the moment. We've exited Europe digital health technologies to the extent their devices are under the old medical device regime. Europe has moved on in medical device regulation 2017 applying in Europe. Um, and we have the Medicine and Medical Devices Act, of which we still need the detail. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I know some of this is uncertain. So I guess what's the association's kind of perspective? What's the ABHI's view on where we're likely to see kind of some kind of some clarity at some point and yeah 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 there's 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 a temptation to say yeah let, let's let's rip up the rule book let's do you know absolutely what is required for the uk to make the uh to make this process in the uk as easy as possible uh but there's then the potential that you know the uk actually becomes deprioritized for innovations you know, if you're looking at global markets, the UK, uh, the, um, the European CE mark or, and, and FDA will give you access to much bigger markets. So you would, you would tend to go for those first. And therefore, if you know, the UK regulatory system is that much different from those, you, you could get deprioritized. Um, so for me, it's not so much about, you know, let's rip everything up and let's be completely different. It's looking at how can we actually implement it in a really smart way, in a way that makes it fast and easy and nimble for companies to, to get through. Yeah, and especially given our neighbours in Europe, they and our and providers into Europe having to comply with MDR, I guess yeah. there's a really big kind of question there for the industry about what that divergence, if any, may look like. Yeah. And I think there is an opportunity, particularly in, around the digital area, for a bit more divergence because uh, there's not the same maturity in the regulatory system for digital, digital technologies and, and AI and those sorts of things. So I think there's more opportunity there for actually UK to lead the way rather than look for international alignment where, where the rules aren't necessarily uh, set in stone in, in other jurisdictions. So, and I know, I know, you know, in discussion with MHRA that they're really keen to take a, a leading role in this. They know that they're not there yet as other jurisdictions, but they are keen, you know, in, in a number of years time that the UK will be at the forefront. Yeah, interesting. Well, I guess we will wait to see. So Andrew, given all of that, what additional tools and resources do you think could be made available um, 
to improve the UK landscape? Uh, yeah, good good question. Um, there are a few things that yeah we could improve on. Yeah, I, I've I've mentioned that um, yeah we we have cradle to grave data, but actually the accessibility of that data isn't as slick and as easy as it could be. You know, the information governance rules, uh, the consent, etc., the the questions around uh, de-identification, you know, could could be much clearer uh, than they currently are. Um, I, I also think there's probably more we could do to leverage the the UK as a financial, a global financial centre. Yeah, I think we still very much look to the or, or our, our members and companies look to the US when they're thinking about investments, uh, you know, into their companies and uh, be it from high net worth individuals or, or VC. Uh, we we could do more to uh, encourage that. Uh, and yeah, both of these things are. Um, you know, highlighted in the life science vision, but we, we really do need to uh, to make them a reality. And, yeah. and probably then, you know, back to my uh, almost constant theme about how do we support the SMEs, you know, creating an innovation infrastructure and slicker adoption pathways that will support them and not, not put an almost bureaucratic burden uh, on them to get through the various processes uh, within the NHS uh, would be really useful. Yeah, well, that's a lot there. I mean, the anonymization guidance is only part out by the ICO and I think eagerly awaited because the imprecision about the reuse of data in particular really does create quite a lot of anxiety. And of course, um, their natural concerns about the sale of NHS data and how that kind of very sensitive data is being used. Um, so those, I mean, those are excellent points. If we could find solutions to those, I agree. Um, yeah. very helpful. Yeah, absolutely, it's critical. I mean, you know, in, in 99 times out of 100, yeah, companies don't want identifiable data. You know, there, there's <laughs> you know, a few key bits, you know, where, where they might be needed, but in the main, they, they don't want that data, they don't need that data. So yeah, if, if we can really clarify what counts as de-identified, pseudonymized, what I was going to say, yeah. This is where the US rules are more helpful, I think. We're talking today and we'll have an international audience listening. Um, and our audience, no doubt, will be familiar about the challenges and opportunities about collaboration and expanding into new markets. Um, I mean, you're in a unique position, I think, given your role to kind of give guidance to organizations who are outside the UK um, looking to enter our market or to collaborate with UK healthcare organisations. Any words of wisdom that you'd like to share? No, words of wisdom, yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, if, if I was a, you know, a manufacturer of health technologies situated outside of the UK, I would want to consider the UK as a, a market for my products. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing is, yeah, it's just the size of the population. Um, you know, we're, we're still a relatively large market and we have a, a good and mature health system. And there's certain advantages to that health system as well. You know, it is a single payer system. And particularly when you're looking at digital, you know, we do have that cradle to grave um, view of the patient uh, and the, the, the data to support that. We, we do have strong government policies supporting the life science sector. Um, 
uh, and that that is only being built on. Um, that all sounds great, doesn't it? It's not quite all that rosy. So while yes, we have a single payer system, um, and when you look at it from the outside, you see the NHS, um, it's not quite as uh, homogeneous as you might think. Uh, the, the actual operating organizations within the NHS, be those NHS trusts or the integrated care systems, do have uh, a lot of autonomy uh, in, in what they do. So it's not necessarily you know, a straightforward, I will sell to the NHS. You are selling to multiple organizations. Individual organizations, even if that number has reduced. Um, over the last two years yeah. quite significantly. It still remains very high, doesn't it? It's still a large number. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's more like a franchise than, than a, a sort of monolith. Exactly. Uh, That's a very good description. But with over so, 200 or so different possible purchases, I can see yeah. it's complex, at least from the so, outside looking in. Yeah. Um, but perhaps that's where you're helpful, Andrew, and of course, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's so you have that complexity at the, at the front line of care delivery. And then because it is a single payer system and a national system, you overlay that with sort of various national or sometimes regional processes. So there is a lot of complexity within the system and a lot of processes uh, that if you're not fully aware of them, you can miss something or not find the quickest route to doing something. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think it's really important that you know, if, if you're coming into the UK, look to get some partners. Yes, of course, that could be ABHI. It could be commercial collaborations. It could be you know, working with government departments or NHS organisations like AHSNs. So while there is the complexity, there's also a lot of support out there if, if you can find it. So, you know, get the right partner to help you enter the market. Oh, very good. Um, so just on a kind of final note, um, anything of particular interest, kind of particular subsectors or activities that you think just would be interesting or particularly exciting uh, that you'd like to mention in, in, in closing? Um, you know, I think it's another one of those areas where certainly for me, the pandemic, pandemic has changed my views. Uh, I, again, you know, my, my my typical response to that would be, well, it, it's all about remote monitoring. It's about AI diagnostics, genomics, robotics, all that high-tech, high-end sort of stuff. But one thing I, I think made clear to me uh, with the pandemic is the importance of the basics. Actually, you know, are really important to get right and have critical importance in the system. They're, they're not seen as high-tech or anything like that. But really important, you know, so PPE, vent ventilator technology. And also when we think of, you know, uh, perhaps, you know, more digital solutions and things like that, uh, you know, when the pandemic struck, you couldn't see your GP. You know, you couldn't go into the GP surgery. The slack there wasn't taken up primarily by, you know, remote consultation platforms or even something like Zoom. It was the telephone. It was, you know, very mature, <laughs> basic technology. That modern technology, Andrew. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm going to dodge the question, to be honest, Sharon. I think <laughs> it's all about using the appropriate technology at the appropriate time to solve the problem. Ah, so in five um, years' time, we can look back and answer yeah. the question. 
yeah and we'll all be proved all, wrong no doubt <laughs> all of our members are con contributing in their own way to to delivering safe and effective care to patients you know that that's that, that's the ultimate goal yes Andrea, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today to share your insights on digital health. I know how busy you are. I know what an important role the ABHI plays to the health tech industry in the UK. And thank you very much for giving up your valuable time to speak to us. We very much appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, we, I'm sure we could have talked for ages, couldn't we? There's so much more to this. Probably. <laughs> Maybe next time, but thanks for the opportunity. To learn more about the Association of British Health Tech Industries, visit abhi.org.uk. To learn how McDermott can help you enter new markets, visit mwe.com forward slash collaborative transformation.